Hey guys, what's up? This is Cinematics episode number 147. 147. I'm joined with Eric Holmes and Bruce Berkey. We talk about some of the first two the first two weeks of this month, some of the movies that we, we watch, some of the movies that we are excited to, to see next week, etc., etc. That's about a 38-minute episode for for this, uh, re- this review session. But then after that, I, there's two movies I really enjoyed. One is the romantic drama I'll Find You. It's set in World War II, directed by Martha Coolidge. If you don't know who Martha Coolidge is, then you're not a bleeping cinephile. No, and anyways, I'm, I'm just kidding. Look, Martha Coolidge, you might, you might not know the name, but she's a landmark filmmaker, especially for her work, just, just for her body of work. Now, here's some of the movies that she's actually directed. Valley Girl, Rambling Rose, Material Girls, the list goes on and on, Out to Sea. Lost in Yonkers, and now she is. She directed the World War II romance drama, and just a lot of it's heartbreaking too. Of course, it's set in World War II. I'll find you. It stars Leo Suter as a singer, as an opera singer, just a talent. Okay, and he is in love with a Jewish violinist played by Adelaide Clemens. Both of them are very fantastic in this movie, and it's currently showing in select theaters. Most of you will be able to actually get it via on-demand. So it's available on-demand. This is a beautiful, lush movie. This is something you can rent and watch. Hopefully, you have a really nice home entertainment system, not like the cruddy one I have. And if you do have a nice entertainment system, put this on and play it on the big screen. It looks really cool. And there's also, since they're both artists in the music scene, there's a lot of music elements to I'll Find You as well. Very throwback filmmaking in a good way. So really enjoy this Martha Coolidge film i have her on cinematics for about 10 minutes okay and also i wanted to add that i did not mention i did not ask a question about leo Suter, and i wish i did because he's very good in this movie my question to her was regarding adelaide clemens and asked her stuff about dvds and blu-rays etc etc now the last interview i do is the burning sea director john andreas anderson john andreas anderson he previously directed the acclaimed and hit movie, The Quake. If you haven't seen The Quake, I haven't seen The Quake yet, but I hear it's a very, very good movie. I think it was released either in 2017 or 2018. The new movie, The Burning Sea, like I'll Find You, is playing in select theaters in the US, but your best bet for most of you will be to actually rent it, purchase it via On Demand. You'll have all all that information on how to actually get The Burning Sea and I'll Find You on VOD on our show notes. So along with this episode... You're, you're going to get these two interviews with Martha Coolidge and John Andreas Anderson. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back, I guess, in a couple of weeks with Anderson. Anderson will be, be back in a couple of weeks and maybe this month. Hopefully he has his studio set up and we'll be taping some stuff regarding cinematics, doing movie reviews at Cold Cockle Productions, maybe some extra content. By the way, there's just a lot of interviews coming up on this podcast feed as well as the podcast feed for Find Your Film. Thank you so much for just supporting me. Anderson, Bruce Perky, Eric Holmes, our entire cinematics and find your film crew and love you all. And you know what? Hit us up. Tell us some of the movies that you're watching as well. If you have seen The Burning Sea or plan to see The Burning Sea and and or I'll find you would love to hear what you think of those movies as well. Without further ado, just remember, if you don't want to listen to me, Bruce and Eric speak or me speak at all. Okay, and just want to get to the interviews. I have chapter marks for the actual episode and each interview. So you can just skip around and not hear my voice and listen to the to the real talent. Or or when I'm speaking, you can just mute my voice, hopefully, and just listen to Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes talk, speak as well on their thoughts on cinema. All right, guys, thanks again. Thanks again. I am in the closet. That's why I sound out of breath and very nervous. But hopefully the rest of this episode makes up for my neurosis. All right, guys, take care. Bye.
Hey everyone, this is another episode of Not Find Your Film, but Cinematics. I'm joined by Eric, I can't even, I shouldn't even say I'm joined by Eric Holmes and Bruce Berkey, Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes, my co-partners, co-hosts from Find Your Film. Every first of the month, we do an episode of Cinematics in lieu of Anderson. Anderson's such a busy man. He's making movies, writing a bi- big, big time. Did you hear, Eric, uh, Bruce, did you hear the news about Anderson Cowan? What happened this week? It's big news. Bruce, you hear it? No. Eric? No. Yeah? Yeah? I think mm-hmm. what, what's the news, Greg? You want to say that, Eric? Say what's the news, Greg? What's the news, Greg? What's the well, haps, Paps? What's the haps, Paps? Very good, better. I like that version. Look, <laughs> we've been mentioning Spielberg the last several weeks as an old time running joke. The big people of the Spielies uh, people called up Anderson Cowan. Anderson Cowan is actually holed up somewhere in the bunker of his CCP production, starting research on a big tome, T O M E, big biography on Steven Spielberg. He's working on it right now. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. his lead researcher, Bruce Perky. You've been hired as the as the resident uh, researcher as well. Uh, do you take that job? You're going to have to research LFG and Minority Report. That's a, a 500 page word essay on both of those. You ready? Uh, LFG, isn't it BFG? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if, that's that's extended edition. Yes, the BFG. Is, it that, the, B- is, that, the, is that the sequel, Long Freaking uh, Giant? I yeah, don't know. or, or I mean, maybe it's called the BFT. Are you ready for the research? Can you do that? Would you be? I don't know. I mean, every time you Spielberg? get together with Anderson, you talk crap about both me and Eric. So no, I don't know oh, if I'm on I board. Know, first I, of all, know, Eric. I, I okay, bro, I, can I mute this? Eric Holmes, have <laughs> I never said something bad about you and, and Bruce on the uh, on the sh- on the show I do with Anderson in the middle of the month? with cinematics i always say nice things right eric holmes yeah well you know you, you talk There's, bad about us sometimes but you don't mean it because we I know don't. you actually love us oh i love i love you guys very, if very you didn't much. like us you wouldn't have said you wouldn't say anything bad at all okay because you know you meant it i oh uh, yes yes no no i do not mean this we're, we're also we're actually banding together just fyi a little bit of a promo we talked about this last week haven't done any, any work on it yet but our cinematics youtube channel will be sort of a merge a syner- synergistic is synergistic bruce a word synergistic or just synergy ism synergism jism no. uh syner- <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah sure i think, that's the I think that was in word. studio 666 Family. maybe oh, synergism by the know. way studio 666 it, it bombed over the weekend are you guys sad about it it didn't do so well really? are you sad? yeah it didn't do so well are you guys sad i'm a little bit sad about it but like bombed how though like how how, how much did it make because it, it couldn't have cost that much to make because um, i was a clickbait headliner i was reading some news and they said it just performed below expectations but it you know it's one of those movies that will probably word of mouth you think what, think what so. do you guys think i think so because a, a lot of people that see it kind of they know what it is they're on its wavelength and i think a lot of people appreciate the movie for what it is so it it if it doesn't do well in theaters, it'll it'll get there in physical media or video or on demand whenever it comes out. Eric Holmes, I, 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 I'm not too worried about Studio Six Six Six. I think it'll do fine in the yeah. long run. You agree, Bruce, on this? You think it'll do fine in the long run? Yeah, I mean it's a pretty niche movie audience, so this is the kind of thing like fans will probably buy on DVD or Blu-ray or digital whenever it comes out and watch it at parties and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I Bruce, I, I again. I, I prefer the word niche, not niche. Niche is very elegant, the way you said it. Very elegant. It's only for people who drink <laughs> Stella Artois for their, for their beer. Wait, actually, that's me. So I, I should be saying niche. I apologize, Bruce, to you. But Eric Holmes, you actually mentioned a very mad, two magic words, physical and media. Physical media. We'll be talking about physical media as well on this new Cinematics Find Your Film channel. We're going to have Blu-ray reviews. We're also going to have, I've been asking for the last four or five years, filmmakers and actors to name their favorite movies. I haven't actually archived them properly. I will be putting that on the site. And then middle of the month, if Anderson Cowan ever gets his act together, that's 
You almost said it. You almost said it. I'm going to say, I hope, you know what? I hope Anders is not listening to this. If he ever gets his, you know what, together, he's actually going to set up shop, film shop on on CCP Productions. We might actually film an episode of cinematics or maybe movie reviews with me and Anderson. All of this movie related stuff will be launched on our house on our cinematics and find your film channel as well one thing we get to do with eric holmes and bruce perky i'm with them all the time on a weekly basis and we're going to actually do spoilers now and again that those spoilers will probably i don't i don't know it might show up on our cinematics feed it might show up on our find your film feed but mainly a lot of these spoilers will show up on the cinematics and youtube channel please subscribe we're going to be doing a lot of spoilers on that youtube channel as well that is my little yes sir eric holmes yes Oh, I was going to say, I don't want to speak for Bruce, but I think I do. That, you want to speak for because, Bruce? Well, well, because, you know, we sit here in the Zoom meeting waiting all week for you to show up to talk about movies. So it, it'll be nice to talk about more stuff. And then that's yeah. less downtime. Bruce all and right. I have to sit here on the Zoom meeting all by ourselves all, <laughs> all week, just staring at They're each other. They're waiting for me to sign and actually send them. Are you, Bruce, are you in a waiting holding pattern for a week until Wednesday rolls around for, for me to show up with a Zoom link? Are you... <laughs> Or are you watching movies again? I'm just watching movies, circling like a vulture, waiting for you, you know. Yes. That's all. Yeah. Again, Bruce is a vulture. He he actually t- mentally and emotionally terrorizes me, me and Eric Holmes during the week as we as we record these movie review podcasts. Actually, Bruce on has a on his telly. I guess that's what they call it in some countries. On his television, he's actually watching movies while he's doing these movie review podcasts. So we can actually be five to, to six weeks ahead of the movie viewing experience. Of the, and then what happens by the time we start recording the podcast? Me and Eric are so worried that Bruce is so ahead. He's have you seen all of next week's movies that we have planned yet, Bruce? Have you already seen them yet? I think you guys are ahead of me. I haven't seen, was it Ultrasound? I haven't seen that. You guys okay. have both seen it, I think. I haven't seen I mean, Ultrasound. No, Eric, I've seen Un-Ultrasound, but not the- <laughs> You've seen an, un- an Ultrasound. Very, very smart, very punny. Eric Holmes, now with Cinematics, this is what we do at the first part of the month. We cover the first two weeks, movies that are interesting to see. Here's a good thing. March 4th, for the week of March 4th, we have two really interesting movies coming up first. I'm going to leave it up to you, Bruce Perky. Which one of the two movies should we cover? One of is a documentary and one is a romantic date movie out in the country. Which one should you should we do? I would say we start with stale and end with fresh. Okay, yeah. start with oh, <laughs> stale. Okay, stale. Now, I oh, I take umbrage. I take umbrage to this. Umbrage. Uvra. No, Lucy and Desi is a documentary directed by Amy Poehler. It serves as sort of may, maybe a companion piece, a complementary piece to Being the Ricardos. I feel that might be – don't take that as a pejorative, as a negative. This is something that should enhance your experience for an Aaron Sorkin movie that both me and Eric Holmes really enjoyed. Bruce Perky, not so much, correct? Bruce, uh, were you – Mediocre. It was mediocre. Mediocre on that. On, and Eric, you really enjoyed being the Car- Ricardos, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if uh, Aaron Sorkin writes and directs a phone book, it'll be sure. one of my top fives of the year. <laughs> Same here. I, I'm sort of close to you when it comes to Sorkin. Love him almost as much as you do. But Lucy and Desi, again, directed by Amy Poehler. It is a talking head documentary based on the life of Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz. And it covers pretty much well-covered ground. How did they form Desilu Productions? How did Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz meet? What was their family background? How what what happened with their the, the dissolution of their marriage? Did they stay friends after their marriage? What happened to RKO and Desilu? All of the stuff is covered within this documentary. If you know a thing or two about this couple, 
this might seem familiar territory, but as far as the archival footage and the great thing about it is it has a lot of audio interviews with Arnez and Ball and it sounds really crisp. The audio is excellent and it really provides some really good insight into both of their lives. I actually ended up, this is the last movie I saw this week. I was surprisingly moved by the movie, by the documentary. You know, straight up four-star documentary for me. Let's start with you, Bruce Perky. You mentioned Stale. Was it Stale? Were you kidding or, or were you on point on this? Uh, it was fine. I, I, I think it's kind of right equal to being the Ricardos. And it's actually, I don't know if it's enhanced or lessened by seeing being the Ricardos because you do kind of cover some similar ground. I, I kind of saw this and thought this will be a great um, special feature, like add on to like a Blu-ray or something. So you can watch like the real version of what you just saw. Uh, but it's good. And it does give you a lot of context. And I, I did think it was, it was entertaining enough. Um, it definitely accentuated to me that I feel right that I did not think Nicole Kidman's performance was very good. And the more and more I watched the real Lucy, the more I was reminded how much I didn't wasn't convinced by Nicole Kidman. Either way, um, this is for me like three star. It's it's fine. It's good. It's like a TV documentary. Okay. Well, I they're, they're actually. I got a little bit dusty towards the end. The way I'm not going to say how they actually moved the archival footage. It might have been a little bit obvious how they did it, but I I kind of liked it. Eric, where do you stand on this? Four stars for me, three stars for Bruce. Are you somewhere in the middle in the, in the netherworld of this? I'm kind of a, a little more high on it than Bruce was, but pretty much the same. Certainly, I would love to see uh, this documentary being the Ricardos. It, like, if I were in charge of the Desi Lu oeuvre or whoever owns all that, put together a box set, have like all the I Love Lucy episodes. Have being the Ricardos and have this uh, have this uh, documentary all just be a part of it. This would this would fit nicely in a really good uh, comprehensive box set, I think. But yeah, after watching uh, being the Ricardos, I already knew the first half of the story. I think the last half of this documentary is kind of like if you already seen being the Ricardos, the last half I think is uh, going to be the part that you're going to enjoy more or be interested in more because it you know it being the ricardo stops at a certain point and then this keeps going till uh spoiler alert eventually uh desi arnez and lucille ball die and this covers the lead up to that and it, it gets pretty emotional you, you mentioned a talking head this is more of a listening to an audio tape quite literally because they find a bunch of tapes of uh yeah uh, Lu- lucille ball talking yeah there, there's some good stuff in this but you would have to like it, it, if you watch being the record being the Ricardos and you just didn't care at all about any of that, like whether or not you like the movie, if you didn't care about the subject matter, I can't think that you'd be that excited about the documentary. You know, it's kind of like a music documentary. If you're interested in the band, you'll like the documentary. If you're not, maybe not so much, but yeah, this documentary is about uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz goes pretty good one i think yeah and good good point it's mainly audio tape driven there's some really good archival footage from the actual show and basically the the crux of this movie the of the documentary is listening to the actual voice of lucille ball and desi arnaz also there is interviewees include carol burnett and bet midler but not not as much of a talking head documentary as i initially purported so yes a lot more audio driven piece with lucy and desi Four stars for me, three stars for Bruce Perky. That's a mild recommend from Bruce. Eric, what was your rating for Lucy and Desi March 4th on Amazon Prime Video? What do you give it? As comprehensive as it is, I'd probably give it four stars, but your mileage is going to vary absolutely depending on how much of a fan you are. 
or how interested you are in Lucille Ball. Okay, very cool. And it seems you're interested. Do you appreciate her more after the documentary and being the Ricardos? I already appreciated her before watching Being the Ricardos, and I love Being the Ricardos. And then this was just kind of like a little little cherry on top. Right. And Bruce, were you always a fan of Lucille Ball? Was regarding the your mileage may vary. Did you grow up watching the shows with your parents, like I did, or or watching it like Eric did? I'm assuming as as a kid. Yeah, I did. I, I watched it a lot in, in reruns. When well, obviously reruns. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I like the stuff quite a bit. And um, surprisingly, one thing I would say about this documentary, I think it almost was more interesting hearing about Desi for me than it was hearing about Lucy. As much yeah. as Lucy is interesting, I didn't know much of anything about Desi. For, so for me, that was value added. For some others, it might be the whole package. So, Oh, I, very good, Bruce. One of the, I, I think one of the nightmarish things about this documentary was when they, at the top of their success, Arnez is saying the only way is up. And in many ways, you could say that's a positive thing. But when it's when up means being a workaholic 24 hours a day, that's ultimately going to kill you. So yeah, that was very good. It it has shines a very big light on Desi Arnaz as well. Again, that is Lucy and Desi. That is our first movie that we're covering for the week of March, Friday, March 4th, Amazon Prime Video. Speaking of streaming services, we have a movie fresh, literally fresh from Hulu Eric Holmes, you are you have a pensive look about you. What do you what yes. do you want to say? Um, yes, I, I want to know how much of this movie we're gonna talk about when talking about this movie. We're gonna talk we're gonna actually I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna do. Listeners, this is cinematics listeners, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to me and Anderson all these years and now Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. What I'm gonna do what we're gonna do, I'm I'm telling you guys right now. I'm going to pretend we're not going to do spoilers, and I'm just going to do spoilers. I'm just going to say, like, really what's going to happen at the end of the movie right in the middle of the sentence right now. I, I don't know. I think I think we can actually say what it is because a lot of the plot synopsis is what it's about. Yeah. But I, – I, I, I understand that, but I'm just saying watching it, um, I didn't know, and it was a pretty nice surprise. So maybe – Maybe if we can talk around that a bit, because I, I think this is a really good movie and I think people should see it. And I think that if I we uh, avoid certain things, I, I think they might be taken for a ride that they're not prepared for. Let's go. I, Eric, a great rebuttal. Bruce, you agree with this? this? Let's dance around the, the whole topic of Fresh, because I think that that is an added enjoyment regarding the movie. Yeah, I think we can mention something to the to the s- Maybe that there's a turn, but not say what the turn is. Something like that. Right. Okay, let's start off. Okay. Hulu, March 4th. The movie's called Fresh. It's directed, and I believe penned by, I think it's penned by Mimi Cave. Okay. Now, Daisy Edgar Jones, very promising young actress, very talented. She plays just a woman who's, she's looking for a nice guy. Nice guy to date. Nice. She's looking for a boyfriend. She's looking for love. Just like anyone else in their 20s is trying to look for. And how does she do it? via social media apps like Tinder, et cetera, et cetera. And well, lo and behold, she actually meets a possible Mr. Right, played by Sebastian Stan, our buddy, our Winter Soldier. What, is that Winter Soldier, Eric, from your favorite MCU series? What is that? Yeah. I'm humoring. Sorry, Eric. I'm humoring you. After a long day's work, I want to actually annoy Eric Holmes with an MCU I'm, reference. I'm good with it. Annoy away. <laughs> annoy. Thank you, sir. You're, you're, you're my buddy. So anyway, Se- Sebastian Stan, possibly Mr. Right. She doesn't meet him via Tinder or any kind of these. I don't even Bumble. I, I don't even know what these social media apps are. She meets him because he starts hitting on her at a grocery store. And they have some really nice repartee regarding, I don't know, what kind of lettuce or fruits or whatever. It's a nice little meat cute situation. 
And what's interesting, Bruce mentions a turn, a big part of Fresh is they actually meet at the produce section and it's meet cute and you get to really realize their relationship for the first, let's just say the first act of Fresh. And then suddenly Bruce says it makes a turn. There is a turn in the movie. There's something that happens in Fresh that turns this meet cute into oh, right right okay okay eric actually puts out meet cute very very funny actually meet can be spelled different ways think of something else guys but very good eric holmes very smart something happens in this movie and it turns from a romantic comedy kind of relationship thing into something darker and diabolical and violent and nightmarish and it's a complete trip very surreal very in your face violent a lot of stuff it co-star charlotte Lebon who's also very good in this movie as well. She plays a really interesting individual. And that's all I want to say about that. Eric Holmes, fresh. Was this movie fresh for you? Yes, it was. Uh, totally. This also did, because we, we, we talked about uh, strange trends, and this one continues a strange trend of a, uh, th- this one didn't have quite the cold open that Drive My Car did, but it did. I checked the time. It was about a, over a half hour <laughs> before the uh, before the opening titles come up. Um, Is that a nice and, trend or an annoying trend for you, Eric? What do you think? You know, it kind of works in this because after the titles, um, that's kind of when the movie starts proper, right? Uh, before it's it's the the romantic comedy or love story sort of thing. Uh, the trials and tribulations of dating. Yeah, the, this goes in in pretty interesting ways. Uh, the the most of which I don't think we should talk about. Um, I'm certainly not going to do it here. However, I did appreciate that the soundtrack and had a uh, Richard Marx song and a Peter Cetera song. So if you like really bad music like I do. That is, that is, that is music uh, to my ears. Music. I um, grew up in the 80s, Animotion, all of that stuff. And of course, you mentioned Peter Cetera's Restless Nights. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of really interesting songs. Eric, yes, sir. And uh, Sebastian Stan was really good in this. Um, you know, the, the only thing I knew him from was the, the uh, or recognized him from anyways, the Marvel movies. And, you know, he's kind of stoic and doesn't, doesn't move the needle much for me. Um, in those movies and this one he's uh i i really dig his character i dig all the characters in this i just dig this movie all around the, the, yeah. this is really good and then even the even the ending kind of i wouldn't say it's six landing but it doesn't it doesn't fall apart either it you know it kind of it kind of does certain things that i appreciate and overall this is a really good movie and i think people should check it out and maybe we can talk about it more on the cinematics facebook page once uh it comes out and people have seen it. Right. So four stars for me. How many? What's your rating, Eric, on this? This would probably be four and a half for me. Very cool. Four and a half stars for Eric Holmes. Bruce, where does this land for you, this movie? Uh, I'm really in a similar boat to uh, Eric on this. I liked it quite a bit, but I would like to warn people, this is going to be, this is not going to be for a lot of people, uh, especially if you're going in for maybe a slightly quirky rom-com that maybe gets a little more serious. It's going to probably go places that the average person may not want to go, and it may really, really turn them off. But if you like, I would say if you like dark comedies or really dark satires, that you might be able to to kind of hang with this one. Um, I think it's pretty stylish. I really like, is it Mimi Cave, I believe is the director? I think she shows a lot of interesting style in this. And I also agree, uh, Sebastian Stan, I've never really been a huge fan of him, but he's really good in here. And uh, Daisy Edgar Jones. She's great. Is really good in this. I 
I think she has to do some stuff in this that's um, she has to just act, obviously, in a bunch of different situations, both just naturally kind of in the rom-com portion and then a different way in the other portion. But she also has quite a few scenes where she has to act as if she's acting another way. So there's kind of this acting within acting. And that's really tough to do and pull off uh, and not be kind of cartoonish. And I think she pulls it off really well. I think that this is uh, this is definitely going to have uh, some very very high cult appeal, I think, for some people. This is going to get a little bit of a, um, I think, a little bit of a following after the hubbub has kind of died down. Uh, And I was thinking about this when I watched it, and I was thinking, like, this kind of sits in a similar place in my mind to that movie Piercing. Remember that? Yes. Mm. Yes, Piercing, yes. Yeah. Very good. It's not the same story or plot, but it just feels like it's kind of in that same weird universe, you know? That's a movie with Mia Wasikowska in it, and very interesting movie. And also, both like Piercing, Piercing, and this movie, they both have self-contained universes where you feel that the filmmaker they've created this really cool little space for us to live in for a while. Especially the first act feels like you're in a little bubble, and then the second act you're in a completely different bubble. But there, it's very self-contained, claustrophobic, very interesting. It's a very unique take. I, I'm assuming Bruce, you're giving this a pretty good rating on this for fresh yeah i'm i'm four stars on this and i could go higher on this too i could see this um as time goes on and maybe a rewatch it might even sink in and go higher for me but uh, i'll give it four stars for sure okay so that's four stars for bruce four stars for me four and a half stars for eric eric i think you wanted to say something re- regarding fresh before oh no i was i was gonna say I'd, i would have been four stars too but they played peter satara so that bumped it up <laughs> peter satara who does oh. we're not gonna yes yes Bruce, very good choice on the oh you you, yes. you mentioned nailing the ending eric and the only thing i would say is and i'm not going to talk about it but it's a spoiler but there's one loose end yes. in the ending yes that really bothered me and, and I wanted just one little shot or something to tell me why that loose end wasn't still a concern, and maybe I missed it. So, anyway, I, yeah, I had to watch it over, and I had to watch the movie, the ending again to see if that loose end was tied up. I think you and I are talking about the same loose end, and yeah, that was a little bit of a nitpick for me. Like, what? Come on, wrap that wrap that little thing up. But overall, it's a really, really good movie. Uh, we all we all highly recommend. Fresh on Hulu, March 4th. Oh, I was going to actually correct myself. It's directed by Mimi Cave. The writer is Lauren Kahn. Lauren Kahn for Fresh. Very interesting movie. Also, I've been bugging Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky to watch this movie that I really adore called Taste of Fear, a.k.a. Scream of Fear. And actually, Daisy Edgar Jones would be perfect as the lead in Scream of Fear. Hopefully one day, if they remake it and she's in it, Please, someone listening, who's if you're making cast her in the movie right now. Okay, so those are our two movies for cinematics that we covered this week. We're going to round out our other reviews on our Find Your Film podcast. So these are the movies coming out on March 4th. But let's go to Bruce first. What other movies are you looking forward to other than the two movies we've already seen? Are you going to see anything else this weekend? I'm not very interested in a Bat movie, so I'll leave that one off. But uh, After Yang is one that I'm definitely interested in. If no other reason, A24 usually puts out Interesting Fair. And it's directed by Koganada. I don't know that director. Yeah, he directed this uh, movie called Columbus. Yeah. 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 And um, Colin Farrell is the lead in it. And it just sounds interesting because I think it's slightly futuristic, but it looks like a family drama. And I guess the basic concept is that they have, I think Yang is an android that, you know, lives with the family. 
and has an issue and starts malfunctioning or something, and they have to go either look for a replacement or get it repaired. I don't know exactly, but it just sounds intriguing to me that that's part of this kind of looks like small family drama. And I'm just wondering how that plays out. So that alone just sounds sort of unique and uh, pretty cool. So uh, something I'll definitely look look into. Columbus, I think it was made in 2016 or 2017. I think, is it Columbus, Ohio or Columbus, Indiana? But the movie Columbus is set in the town of Columbus where there's a lot of architecture. I don't know if you guys have... Uh, Bruce, you haven't seen it. Eric, you've never seen Columbus, right? It stars oh. John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. The entire movie is kind of like before before sunrise. If if, if it was directed by Yasujiro Ozu, okay, O Z U O Z U, okay, and it's a very interesting movie. It just has Haley Lou Richardson and John Cho talking around the town of Columbus with its beautiful architectural buildings for about ninety minutes. That's the movie, and it is. It blows you away. It really blows you away. So I'm really excited to see if After Yang is as powerful and resonant as Columbus. So that is Bruce's pick for March 4th. He didn't do a bad pick. What is your pick, Eric Holmes, for March 4th? I'd, I'd pick, well, I I probably would have went with Batman, but I, I think uh, most people are going to watch that anyway. So you don't need me to tell you about that. <laughs> hey, guys, have you heard about this movie about the Batman? It's coming out this week, and uh, you're here to hear first. Um, the one I picked was a movie... Written by Ben Conway, directed by Stephen Fingleton, with uh, Mo Dunford and Joanna Ribeiro. And it's called Night Ride. Night Ride is a real-time one-shot thriller about a dealer trying to pull off one last job in order to go straight. Um, the story sounds, uh, you know, a crime thriller you've seen a million times. Uh, this one's one-shot, so... I don't know. It, it, it could be like one of those things like, oh, cool. It's a one shot. It's a gimmick. And who cares? Or maybe they do. Maybe they do it like with the uh, one shot with Scott Atkins and really do something cool with it. So my mom saw one shot last night and she loved it. We all loved one shot, by the way, starring Scott Atkins yep. now out on Blu-ray. And so, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pull the trigger on this one. And it, it, it looks like it might be pretty good. The main guy looks kind of like Stephen Dorff and I like Stephen Dorff. And even though it's not Stephen Dorff. I can pretend I'm watching Steven Dorff. <laughs> okay. So this is Night Ride. It's in theaters March 4th. It's also available on demand. If you like one-shot thrillers, maybe give this movie a shot. One shot. <laughs> I was going to do a little bit of give a Give it a ride. <laughs> are you, Bruce and Eric, are you guys going to actually go to the theaters this weekend to watch The Batman? Are you guys going to see that? I'm going to wait for Bruce to give me the thumbs up or thumbs side. <laughs> If Bruce says it's I'm, awful, I'm going to watch it. If he says it's awesome, I'm going to watch it. If he's like, eh, it's okay, <laughs> I might skip it. <laughs> I'll see. I might go see it. I I have to see if I can get my, my soul up for a three-hour Batman movie. I, if I can do it, I will try on Saturday, but I might end up just watching another uh, French extremity movie on Shudder instead, so we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, Bruce has been watching a lot of stuff on Shudder. I think one of his picks will next week will be a Shudder pick as well. So that is it for March 4th. We're going to wrap up the show with some picks for the week of March 11th. I guess I, I might as well throw in here um, my pick, which is our picks, is a movie starring Zac Efron. It stars gold. We've had the screening link for the last, I would say, month, uh, within the last several weeks, actually, when we refreshed our screening link. The movie's Gold, it's Zac Efron. It's not gold like Matthew McConaughey's gold. Zac Efron is stranded somewhere in the middle of the desert. He's holding to this, I, I don't know, I, I saw the trailer. He's holding to a whole bunch of gold and he's waiting for someone else to arrive to pick him up. 
to and to take the treasure away. And unfortunately, this I think this looks like a morality fable kind of tale. I'm assuming that person, that pastor, that driver does not show up or or whatnot, and leaving the Zac Efron character just in obviously in distress out in the middle of nowhere, holding on to his treasures. That is the premise of gold. It's only going to be in theaters. On March 11th, I'm sure that's. Uh, I think it's one of the cool things about doing podcasts. We get screeners, and we can actually tell you guys if next week check out check out check us out on Find Your Film, and we'll tell you if Gold, starring Zac Efron, is worth the watch. Bruce, what's your pick for next week? Uh, my pick is Off Season, uh, directed by Mickey Keating. This could be a terrible movie, but remember how you were talking? I think it was last week or the week before about how there's a certain kind of movie that you just like or that you tend to be drawn to that aren't always great, but you kind of like them anyway. Uh, this is kind of in that category for me, which is the creepy little town with creepy townspeople and something weird's going on and you're not sure what, and your character comes into that town and the movie happens. This is sort of that. It's uh, stars Jocelyn Donahue. She, I remember most from The House of the Devil. Great movie, you haven't seen it. And she gets a call to this uh, isolated little island town i think her father may have died and that's why she's going back but it's one of those things where when she gets there things are weird the people are weird and then when she tries to leave she can't leave and there might be something kind of cthulhu-ish sort of happening in this as well it just looks like it could be um real b-movie fun so i'm that's what i'm kind of hoping for this movie We'll see. Maybe off-season might work it's going to be in theaters on demand and digital on march 11th Eric, what is your pick for March 11th? All right. Mine is a movie called Moon Manor, and I'll just read the thing here. Today is Jimmy's last day alive. His Alzheimer's is worsening, so he's decided to die like he has lived, with intention, humor, and zest. His last day on Earth, Jimmy will show an obituary writer, his death doula, his estranged brother, his caretaker, a surreal being, and the guest at his fabulous funeral that perhaps the art of living is the art of dying. Uh, this looks like a uh, basically a guy's dying and he wants to invite a bunch of people to uh, enjoy his funeral before he goes and looks a little quirky, uh, looks a little like he gets a little dreamlike, insane, maybe even. Um, this could be a really interesting one or it could fall on his face. And those are kind of movies that interest me. It's like this is going to be really good or it's going to just totally tank. But either way, I think it's going to be interesting and we'll see. Come uh, March 11th. March 11th, Moon Manor. If you actually look at the poster, the poster looks like pretty interesting. Guy from the side, he looks like Jeremy Irons with a beard and a mustache. And Moon Manor looks like one of these. In the, 70, it, in the yeah. trailer, it sounds like uh, Chong. <laughs> like Chong. Okay. Hey man, I'm, I'm dying, man. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Weird. Okay, so Moon Manor in theaters and on demand March 11th. We'll see if it is as good as... What was that movie that we saw several weeks ago about the... What with Klaatu, which had that song from Klaatu, what was Cosmic Dawn? We'll see if it's oh, yeah. as weird as Cosmic Dawn. Didn't we love that movie, Bruce? Cosmic <laughs> Dawn. Cosmic Dawn. Yes, that was some Ooh. movie. Yes, okay. Eric. Holmes. And uh, Moon Manor is written and directed by Aaron Granat and Machete Bang Bang, which might be the coolest name I've ever seen. <laughs> Machete Bang Bang. I, so, is that a real name? See what- Oh my goodness. It says it on IMDb, so I'm taking that. Machete Bang Bang. Sounds like what I do at night. Okay, so, all right, that's it. That's all for, for cinematics. Oh, by the way, before we go, Bruce and Eric, do you have any kind of recommendations? I mean, I think the last the last thing we did last week, we, we I think it's on demand right now. 
the burning sea there's the last mark bruce uh, eric which what what should people watch on demand or if, if they can spend a couple bucks you think the burning sea is worth a look is the last mark bruce you just recently did a rewind on the last market uh hitman thriller kind of thing is that worth it or is the burning sea worth it what do you think it depends on what you like i think the burning sea is is kind of the bigger crowd pleaser but the last mark kind of like you both talked about if you like a crime thriller that seems really stereotypical but actually is a lot more odd and unusual and has way more interesting script than it needs to have uh the last mark is is a pretty good little crime movie if you're into that kind of thing more than like an action movie so but they're both i think have a lot to offer all right. Both those movies are on demand. What do you, th- what do you say? What say you, Eric? Do you I, like both? I, I, I really enjoyed The Burning Sea. Um, I don't think everyone's going to be into the desperate hour. In fact, I think a lot of people that might listen to this might not dig it, but there's an audience for it. And I think there's probably, uh, according to Bruce, an audience that Karen's are going to watch The Desperate Hour and go, <laughs> that movie's so brave. Uh, but how but, about The Last Mark? I know you you gave The Last Mark five stars. That's something that you really love as well, though, right? Yeah. The Last Mark. Yeah, that's yeah. yours. Yeah, we, yeah we, got a, we got a bunch of good ones last week. We got, oh, damn, we got some good ones this week, too. We got, we, oh, no, we got, oh, we got some good ones this week on Find not Your Film. Not to, not to shorthand too much, but do we want to do we want to tease a couple because those are definitely worth watching when they come out as well yes thank you guys for listening to us here on cinematics anderson will be back in a couple of weeks hopefully we'll do some more with anderson as well when we tape something and that'll be really really cool and for yeah if you want to support us over at the find your film podcast we are going to stop recording our cinematics episode right now yeah you're covered for the first two weeks excluding of course the batman but we're going to for the Find Your Film podcast, we will be covering two films, two featured films, Huda Salon and The Long Walk. These are very interesting indie movies. If you decide, hey, we don't, I don't like you, Greg, at all, but and I, yeah, I kind of, I'm okay with Eric Holmes and Bruce Parkey, but I still don't want to listen to Find Your Film. Well, look, on the Cinematics podcast, if we can say something about Huda Salon and The Long Walk, I can just say, please rent them. Anything, Bruce, quick uh, 10 second, Huda Salon, The Long Walk. Must see for both of them. What do you think? I would say I, I lean a little more towards the long walk, but they're both solid movies for sure. Eric, I lean more towards Who Does Salon, but also both great movies. Check them out. Oh, sounds like going to be a nice creative disagreement. Agree to disagree for our final film I episode mean, regarding we're talking Who Does Salon. Like hairs, hair okay. difference, hairs, a hair difference. Okay, well, who knows? Maybe we might punish Bruce and instead of talking about Who Does Salon on Find Your Film and The Long Walk, we might just do a deep dive on The Desperate Hour. We'll see how Bruce likes that one. Bruce, are you are you game for Naomi Watts' The Desperate Hour? Phil Noise talking about it. Left and right, up up and down. Um, that one, or you could even do the, the the weekend away, which we haven't even mentioned. But if you want to talk about that, we can really be, punish me. <laughs> <laughs> the weekend away, starring Leighton Meester. I still have not seen it as of yet. And you know what? One final banger, Bruce. What will you say to cinematics listeners listeners about the weekend away? You will like the weekend away, which opens Friday on net, which streams Friday on Netflix. If dot dot dot. If what, Bruce? If you want to see the serious but unintentionally funny version of the woman who lives across the road in the window, that that mockumentary version of these movies, this is the real version of those movies, and it is just as ridiculous. And you can watch Leighton Meester attempt to wait, to act herself her way out of a bag. She can't. <laughs> 
Sold, <laughs> sold a ticket here. Okay, well, on that sunny note, folks, Anderson Cowan, we miss you. We love you, buddy. And thank you so much, most importantly, Cinematics listeners, for listening to us for all this time. And hope, you know, hit us up. Tell us what movies you're watching. And we will see you very, very soon. And take a take again to some of my, my interviews, you know. And hope, hopefully you'll find some value in them as well. Take care, guys. And tell us what you think of the Batman. Mara, the first off, I really enjoyed I'll Find You. And I was th- saying to myself, these type of epic narratives really they just don't get made anymore. Right. And why is that? And I missed it so much. And I, I'm so appreciative of this movie, which, by the way, should be seen on the big screen. I agree. I, I agree. Of course, I of course, I made it for the big screen. It's only COVID that inter, interrupted the release and put it off two years and uh, the whole thing. So, but yes, it, it, it's a big scope movie. It, it covers a lot of ground in the World War II problems and, you know, all the different countries it goes into. So it, it, it's a very, uh, it, it, I love the complexity of filmmaking. It has many layers. You know, when you open up a script and you, you create columns that you're addressing, and one is what time of year, what, where is it, what culture is it, what, you know, what's influencing the people at the time, uh, but also all the individuals that are involved. And it, it is, it's a layering process, but out of which, if you address it, you get so much richness. There's so much richness. And what's great, doing it in the country where it happened and the places it you you have so many benefits that you lose if you're not really there. I thought you've had such a great varied film career career, and I'm just wondering how come you didn't make, you didn't make more of these type of epics because you you just seem so natural at making these big canvas type of cinema uh, filmmaking. Well, you know, let's put it this way: it's part of. The uh, background of my generation of film goers, right? And uh, certainly I went into film because someday, you know, I wanted to make Lawrence of Arabia, not, uh, you know, uh, not um, some married woman in a a, a house in the valley or something. So um, it it is, but the truth is that with the lack of acceptance of women, for most of my life, uh, you just couldn't even get in to interview for a film like this. You couldn't. You wouldn't be able to pitch yourself. And um, it was just because I knew Fred Roos, and Fred Roos brought me the script, and that's how I got involved in this movie, uh, that, that... that it came to me and it was it makes very big sense to me because first of all I lo- I love doing love stories and it's so interesting to do a movie that centers on the love story but is about the incredible trauma of World War II. I was watching this and recently rewatched Rambling Rose okay on Criterion and one of the reviews for I'll find you is they described your film as visually lush and is there something to be said about, in layman's terms, a lot of movies today with digital, they, they look really sharp and clean and very savvy and whatnot. But there's something, these two movies, you can put them on the big screen, your home entertainment system, and they the colors will pop and there's a richness to your work. 
how do you do that? And is that a lost art? You know? Well, I hope it's not a lost art. I think what it is, is certain things get in the way. Uh, Certain, you know, effects cost a lot of money. So they say, well, we'll just do all the thousands of soldiers digitally. Well, if they do them digitally, then each one of them is not a character in themselves. That's what happens is they're kind of a printed out repetition of something. And uh, I mean, all of this is going to get better and better. But that's one way of saving a lot of money. And in this case, we were in Europe and we we shot most of the big, big stuff in Poland. And it was cheaper there than shooting at any other place where you might, you know, like if you went to New York, that would be very expensive. So um, one of the things is to understand if your movie fits the circumstance you're in. And if your movie fits the budget you're in. And when I came on, I said to them, I, I have to tell you, you can't make this movie with you, with the budget you're saying. But if I rewrite it, simplify it, cut a lot of it down, I know I can make it a really lush, important movie about World War II and about the love story uh, with a little more money than that. And that's how it came out. I'm a Blu-ray nut and a DVD nut, and I really want Lost in Yonkers, Joy of Sex, City Girl. Every I want all of your films out to be on Blu-ray. You mentioned, I remember you re- replying to Criterion. Maybe Criterion edition of of Rambling Rose would be great. Can you speak it to the fact? Be. Oh, it will be. Can you just talk oh, about? It some, would be. It would be. I oh, don't would be. know why it's not. Don't ask me. And I, I'm just one because I think down every, with all these streaming options, I would love a Martha Coolidge audio commentary on all of your films. And well, I have a lot of them out, but some a lot of movies aren't even out. I have movies that I've made that aren't even out. They, you can't get them. And there's no way about it, right? Right now, there's just well, somebody needs to pick them up and distribute them somehow. Yeah. It's amazing. A um, couple of quick questions. I, I just re- recently purchased uh, Preston Sturges by Preston Sturges. Wondering, are there still lessons that we can learn from Preston Sturges? Are there lessons that you learned as a as a up and aspiring fi- filmmaker? And what did he do that inspired you as a young filmmaker up on the rise? Well, I didn't see too much Preston Sturges when I was young, really young. But I did see him when I was in the process of maybe becoming a filmmaker. And... What was great is he was a multiple title guy. You know, he was a writer, director, actor. You know, he could do all those things. And that's incredible. He traveled the world. He was very well educated in that sense. And, you know, what his life, how different his life was from most people's was uh, important and important to realize that it was different. Um, And he could do, he just did so many things. That, that were very interesting, had a great sense of humor. Uh, and I think that's another, I think humor is important to people. It isn't there in all the work, um, but humor is part of how we get through life. You know, we look at things and make jokes about them. And that's because there's not much we can do about them. But it, it is a great way of handling some of the tough things in life. 
couple of final questions regarding the joy of filmmaking, but I'm just wondering about the joy of being a teacher and a professor. Do, do you get something out of that as well, as far as that dialogue with students and, and discussing cinema and imparting insights, and maybe you get insights back in return? Well, yes, of course. I mean, it, what's really fun is when you get past just put a camera here and here's a close-up. I mean, that's not the most interesting thing. But when you're really talking about what movies they love and why, what they want to do, how they see themselves, how they see the future opening up in terms of various ways they could make a living, uh, it's there's some very exciting things to discuss in a film class that is about anything conceptual or a passion for the projects or for what you want to do. Yes, it's great. And I do love it. My, fi- my final question is just, just really great casting here, but wanted to ask a question about Adelaide uh, Clemens. She, I just believe every, th- every moment she's in, she can oh, yeah. do, a, she can do a monologue for three hours and I would pay for the ticket. What is it about her? That's so rare, I guess, from your, from your POV. Well, I hate to say it, but you just said it. I mean, there's an actress who understands in her soul what it is to be on camera and to be real. That it that the situation that she's portraying has to be real. It can be funny, but it can be flirty. It could be scary, but it has to be real. And that is a precious thing for an actor to have and for an actor to understand. And it really shows off in the work. Martha, thank you so much for your time. I really love I'll Find You and, and continued success. Great, great. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Okay, bye. bye. How are you, John? Hey, Greg, how are you? Good, good. First off, I you know, I love The Burning Sea, and I watch a lot of movies where it, it's action-driven or there's big stakes, it's a big canvas, but what they lack is they lack a sense of soul and humanity and heart. For you as a filmmaker, what's the key uh, to... To bring that to a project, no matter how big or small it is. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you now. Great. Sorry. Sorry. We'll try again. I, I just uh, froze on my end there. Oh, no worries. So, yeah, just in, in general, from your perspective, what's the key to bringing? Uh, I see a lot of action movies or big event movies, and I like them for the entertainment, but for something like the the Burning Sea, I, I will recommend this to as many people as possible because it has that big canvas, but it also, most importantly, it has a sense of soul and heart to it. As a director, how, in layman's terms, how do you bring that to a project? How did you, how were you able to bring it to this film? Well, I mean, first of all, thank you. That's, that's very nice of you to say, and I'm very happy to hear that you experienced it in, in that way. Um, I guess we wanted to, you know, it's, it's a Norwegian film and we're, we're stepping into, you know, really a Hollywood territory with, with this genre. And we wanted to make sure that we had sort of this sort of Scandinavian spin on it, that, that you know, it was not just, you know, superhumans hanging in a rope under a helicopter. You know, it's like that there was real people of flesh and blood reacting to real something that I wanted to feel like like reality um and also the sort of underlying message you know of course being i guess very basic that that if you mess with nature nature will hit back and it, it, it's sort of a theme that many films have explored uh but um in norway it's also uh it's very close to us because the north sea it's it's uh, where a lot of the, the country's wealth comes from it's like it's, it's such a big part of our life in norway you know it's like 
we know that that we get all this money from the oil drilling, but we also know that we have to stop drilling for oil. We know that it's in a way we we know it's wrong, but we still do it. Uh, so um, the film came about at the same time. Like there was a lot of political discussion about you know should we set a date? When do we stop drilling for oil? Um, stuff like that. So so we wanted to you know we wanted to make a film that was entertaining and thrilling and you know sort of hopefully you know keep you a little bit on the edge of your seat, but at the same time had a, a bit of an underlying uh, theme of, of, of what happens if we if you push nature too hard. Christine, to me, just is a natural actor. She was a surprise to me. Just from wondering, what did you see in her talents that you knew that she could really anchor your film? Because I think that's a, a rare quality to have. Yeah, there's a bit of delay. So I see you're talking uh, and then the audio comes I a bit apologize. later. But that, that, that's fine. No, I mean... Christine, uh, I think I think she's 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 amazing. I, I was so happy when when we found her. She has this sort of sensibility, uh, and I've I've never done a film with a female sort of action hero before. And if if we can call this an action hero, I mean, we we really wanted, like I said, we want her to be feel like a real person of flesh and blood, of, of not not of superhuman capi- uh, with superhuman uh, capabilities. But you know, Christine has she had that, and uh, she has this sort of vulnerability as well that uh, that I really like, and uh, she just feels very natural in everything she does, and. She's like a lie detector. If something feels false to her, she will not do it. So uh, I think in that sense, she was perfect for this role. You know, growing up, were you always, was directing always your big dream? Because you have years of experience as a cinematographer. So was being a DP your initial dream and then you graduated to become a filmmaker or was directing behind the camera always your number one priority? Well, you know, growing up... um, I, I and even as I mean I worked for twenty years as a cinematographer as a DOP and uh, I always uh, sort of didn't really call myself a DOP. I always looked at myself as a filmmaker. I, I think everyone who takes part of the filmmaking process is is somehow a filmmaker. So and I always start you know whenever I start a new film I always have this speech for the crew saying that you know you have to, everyone has to take responsibility. You know if if you have if your best friend uh, loses his hair and starts wearing. Uh, a toupee, then you have to be a good friend and tell him, "Hey, you look like an idiot with that toupee," and and that's that's I think that's sort of part of the filmmaking process. That and and what I really enjoy, I've worked a lot with this the same people, and I think we all sort of we're all part of making something together. And so in that sense, taking a step from being a cinematographer to a director didn't really feel as that big of a step because uh, I was just so much enjoyed being part of the filmmaking process and growing up and I, I decided I want to work with film when I was very, very young and, and just sort of just kept at it from that point. So I, I still love cinematography. It's, it's Being a cinematographer is the best job in the world, but being a director is not so bad either. You mentioned Hollywood at the beginning of the interview. Just wondering after the quake and for, just from your experiences, your body of work, has Hollywood come knocking on your door? Would you ever make a film in Hollywood or is Norway your place to be? Because I'm sure you've had offers over the years. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I went to school in Los Angeles. So, so I've, I, I certainly have friends over there. And, and a lot of the films that made me want to get into the film business in the beginning was, of course, American films. So so I, I would definitely would love to do a film in, in the U.S. But at the same time, uh, I have, I've had some scripts and some interest from, from over there. And I just I really want to make sure that when I do it, it's because of the script and because of the story and not just 
because of the opportunity to make a film in Hollywood. I think the important thing is to find the right project. And I've, I've been fortunate to have a lot of nice projects over here. And, and uh, of course, the the, 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 um, the films that we make over here, they have a smaller budget, but they also have maybe a, just to a certain degree some more freedom to play around. So it's a double-edged sword. But I guess my answer to your question is, yes, I would love to do a film over there, but it has to be the right one. And apologies for the final question. It's a hard question, but just from the top of your head, can you name one of your all-time favorite movies? And what is it about this specific film that still speaks to you today? Yeah, that is hard because, you know, apologies. naming one is just, uh, it's just so hard. But I mean, uh, it would have to be, I, I really, I guess, uh, is it 2001 or is it Godfather or is it Brazil or is it Goodfellas? Um, I guess three of those were at least were American and one British. So yeah, I was just, uh, I just love films that that you know take you to another world and take you into a uh, take it will take you a place that you cannot experience in your real life. And, and that's also part of the allure of this type of film, like the Burning Sea. You know, is how can you else experience being on an oil rig and you know being in the middle of a catastrophe? You, you have to go to movie theater to experience that. And I think that that so naming those top films um, I, uh, sorry I, I couldn't make, name just one but uh, but uh, I, I think that that's that's part of how I fell in love with movies at least John I can't I can't even imagine you as a child just watching Brazil and Gilliam's work because you're talking about DOP and filmmaking I'm sure his I guess his painterly style and surreal style must have been some kind of influence for you as your youth, maybe. Absolutely. I mean, when I when I saw Brazil, I was quite young, and I was just blown away. I was just like, "How is it possible to make a film like this?" Uh, so I love Terry Gilliam's work. Uh, definitely one of the big inspirations. And you know, I I grew up in a very very small town where it's like I don't know if you if you have seen the film called uh, Cinema Paradiso, but. It's my growing up was a little bit like that. It was like a lot of the times I was alone with the with only the machinist in the in the theater showing me films. But uh, um, yeah, I, I really fell in love with with films in that way. And, and Terry Gilliam and Brazil was was like the cornerstone of of that part of my life. John, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I apologize for the Wi-Fi problems on my end as well. So no problem. Very nice talking to you, Greg. Take care. <laughs>